Hello and welcome to this week's Key Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty and this week we are talking about pupil wellbeing and we're kind of looking at it from two perspectives really. We are joined by Iona Jackson who is Head of Research at Edurio, um, very much doing a big survey and researching how pupils feel about their learning experience and their well-being. And we're hearing from, um, well, a student herself, Anna Menzel, who until recently um, was at school and is now at university. And it'll be really interesting because we're going to hear about how she actually got involved with Edurio when they were working on their survey. So lots of things to think about here. I personally really enjoyed hearing from Anna and more about the young person's perspective on mental health, well-being, and specifically Anna's experience as a first responder to her friends when they needed support. So lots of things to think about, and I hope you find the episode really interesting and useful. As ever, the podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around topics. The views my guests and I are about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth information on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. Hello. Today, I am joined by Iona Jackson, who is Head of Research at Edgerio. Um, Iona's been on the podcast before and Edgerio are, are great friends of, of the key. So nice to have you with us, Iona. And also um, Anna Menzel, who is currently at university, uh, but she was a a student at the time of the study in a school and actually inspired one of the questions that we will be talking about when we dig into the research report a bit later. So welcome to both of you. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi there. Hi there. Um, and so we're going to be we're going to be talking about um, about the res- this research into into pupil well being um, uh, in in a bit more detail. But before we kick off, um, you, can you tell us both a little bit about about yourselves and your kind of backgrounds and and interests? So Iona, can we kick off with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah, as mentioned, I've been on the podcast before, so um, this might be a um, repetition for any avid listeners but um, yeah I'm head of research at Agirio um, I kind of come from a background of consumer research so I've been doing lots of lots of research over the years onto any any kind of number of different topics um, but in the last year I've been focusing that at Agirio and on the education sector um, and uh, my team is is responsible for kind of the design of the new surveys that we produce um, and then the analysis that happens at the end so the uh, report that we're going to talk about now uh, is one that I kind of uh, co-wrote uh, with uh, Daniel Moose, who is the um, former head of research um, at Ofsted. Um, so yeah, excited to talk to you about it today. Great stuff. And and Anna, can you tell us about, about you? What are you studying? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, hi, I'm new to the podcast. I've never been on. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a university student. I'm studying creative writing and drama. Um, and kind of yeah, as I said, I, I I did an EPQ um during my A levels and um and it, it helped inspire the report. So I did an EPQ on kind of mental health and uh young people's mental health. And that then one of the questions, the main question that I did helped inspire one of the questions for the report, which was really, really, really cool. Um and yeah, it's it's really interesting and really, really fun. Great stuff. Well, we're delighted to have you with us offering a kind of fresher perspective of actually being in school yourself as well. Um, so look forward to having um, a conversation with you as this podcast progresses. So Iona, perhaps you could tell us why exactly you decided to kind of kick off this research project and what you were hoping to understand more. Yeah, so um, a bit of broader context about Adurio. So we are a um survey software provider um, for schools. So we, we basically gather stakeholder feedback um, from a variety of different stakeholders related to schools. Um, and we actually already had a pupil survey um, that we had had produced a, a couple of years back, um, but it was more focused on kind of teaching and learning side of things. So um, there, there wasn't as much in there around kind of the, the well-being um, side of things and, and support networks and so on. Um, 
So uh, as, as I think we're all aware, um, well-being, whilst having been important forever, um, has, has kind of become even more important or at least more talked about um, since the onset of the pandemic. So um, in the um, spring of last year, we, we redesigned our survey, um, turned it from a teaching and learning survey into something that is about people learning experience and well-being in general. Um, and that was launched in the um, summer term. I think it was May to July. We ran a big study where we collected um, data from 165 schools from 45,000 students uh, that allowed us to then take a kind of national view um, of the results and, and produce this report um, that we're going to talk about today. Great. And and Anna, can you tell us a little bit, um, maybe tell us both a bit more about your EPQ and explain what that is to anybody who, who's not aware of it and tell us a little bit of the story about how you got involved? Yeah, of course. Um, so an EPQ is, stands for Extended Project Qualification. Um, and I guess I kind of think the best way to describe it is you get, it gets graded like an A-level, um, but it is it feels much more like a dissertation. So it's, you kind of write a, you do all of the research and end up writing a, a kind of like a really long piece of like work. You do an essay. Um, you can also do an artifact, but I did an essay. And, um, and you kind of, you have to do everything yourself. So from finding the research to what I did, which was do a survey um, to kind of analyzing data um, you do it all yourself and you have to write it and you get graded on everything from like a project log all the way up to your final essay. Um, and it was, it was really, really, really fun. Very intense, but very, very, very fun. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I kind of first got involved because I, I talked to them about surveys, actually. I had a conversation about, because I, I needed to kind of figure out how to actually run a survey if I was going to do what I wanted to do which was my, my question was basically about kind of young people but young people as first responders to mental health rather than mental health like young within like mental health within young people um so it was it was more about who young people talk to than like mental health itself I guess um but I but I ended up talking talking to them about kind of how to conduct a survey properly because I'd never done one before and um and we ended up just kind of discussing my APQ question um and and yeah and then and then I finished my APQ I submitted it and I got an email kind of a couple of months ago basically saying we, we used your question or we used we, your question helped inspire one of our questions and the findings were very similar um and and then yeah, and then we've kind of all been in contact ever since. It yeah, it was it's really, really, really cool. And I'm really, really glad that it's kind of gotten kind of outreach, I guess, and kind of gotten into the gotten more than what I could have done with my EPQ. Exactly. That's that's fantastic. And Iona, from from your side, can you tell me a bit about the the, the process uh there and getting getting Anna involved? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, I, I joined the company about a year ago. So, so this conversation actually took place before I started. But um, yeah, so, so that initial discussion around, the, as Anna mentioned, started with us kind of providing advice on survey design, ended up being a sort of two-way collaboration. So we, we sort of helped with the survey design, but then also Anna um, gave us this kind of really, really rich insight into Kind of as an individual, I'm I'm a, I'm a pupil, and I am one of these kind of first responders. So the, the friend that people go to when they're having um, a mental health issue or feeling stressed or and so on, um, and so giving us that kind of insider uh, view uh, that yeah led led to us including a question that was that was similar, which meant that Anna could that get the uh, could almost have a comparison because because doing doing the EPQ in in one school taking that nationally and seeing kind of is, is it is the findings the same are the findings like is is her school unique or is her school kind of typical turns out it was, it was relatively typical um and yeah and then and then we came back together to collaborate on on the report and um as, as we'll get into the report covers a, a range of topics from kind of 
um, uh, mental health related issues, but also uh, support networks and safety and so on. So um, this fits in that kind of support network um, space. Um, and, and Anna was able to yeah have really good uh, kind of as I say that kind of individual insight from from life as a as a pupil first responder. Well, I I love this story partly because of the just you know reach out make contact with people you know sometimes you'll get lost in like an info at inbox and no one will come back to you but look what happens <laughs> when um when you can when you do collaborate and bring bring different ideas to the party i think it's a brilliant yeah. story and then also the thing that strikes me is this and i'm sure we'll come and talk more about this but this kind of first responder um role um that that you've identified here uh because you know a lot of the conversations that we have about mental health on the podcast um we talk about yes you know there's there's extreme levels of support that are needed when somebody is in crisis um and then there are you know people who who are who, who need that support to stay sort of positive on the on the kind of positive end of the scale and the things that can that really everybody should have access to um in in order to to, to stay healthy as we would physically healthy um and and that bit that sort of is, is about everybody getting access to some, to some kind of support is is often the is often the harder bit um because the kind of focus is often on the people who've you know kind of fallen off that continuum um so it's yeah it's really interesting to think about the role that um anybody any friend any peer can can play in that sort of patchwork of mental health um support which we know um is you know was 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 a rising concern for schools pre-pandemic um, but is much more acutely um, of, of a concern uh, now. Um, so fantastic stuff. Um, Iona, perhaps we could go through the main findings of, of the report. You've got kind of three main main sections there. And Anna, do feel free to kind of chip in with any reflections as we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so the way that we, we looked at this was kind of an overall look, as I mentioned, of the kind of... Um, I don't know if symptoms is the right word, but sort of the symptom, the mental health symptoms um, that one might have. So kind of feeling well, feeling stressed or not stressed, sleeping well or badly um, and, and feelings of kind of overworking. Um, and then we look at things, um, and well, then we look at kind of the relationship side of things. So um, how safe um, pupils feel in school or um, issues with bullying and, and kind of relationship based stuff. And then also kind of loneliness and, and support networks. Um, and then finally, we look at kind of um, overall happiness at school and, and are there any kind of indicators that, that kind of pupils who responded in a particular way to one of these kind of symptoms or, or uh, relationship type uh, factors um, was then either more or less likely to be happy at school as well. Um, so if I start with the first one, so this kind of overall, this kind of symptoms um, look. Uh, so what we found is that less than half of pupils reported that they feel well overall. Um, and we found that stress, overworking and sleep quality is an issue for a large number of pupils. Uh, we also found that that gets worse as pupils get older. So um, there was kind of a significant decrease in well-being in terms of overall well-being, stress, uh, sleep quality and overworking um, as pupils move through um, the school years. Um, and with a couple of spikes uh, at key stages, at key points in mm. the uh, education process for some of those things, right? for example, during exam years, so year 11, year 13, um, kind of issues around sleep quality, um, really uh, sort of reaching a, uh, a low point um, alongside, alongside exams. Um, and we also found kind of differences between uh, genders. So girls had um, slightly lower well-being than boys, but actually those with a gender identity other than male or female um, had significantly lower well-being than boys or girls kind of across, across each of those four things. Um, and we also found differences between regions and among um, and between different offset ratings. So pupils at outstanding schools reported lower uh, well-being uh, than pupils at kind of good or requires improvement schools. Um, so that's the kind of the, the symptom side of things, as I mentioned, and then in terms of the relationship side um, and, the, and the safety side. So we, we did find that most pupils feel safe in school, um, though there was a, a minority around 10% who mentioned not feeling safe either within 
class itself or um or in on the school premises outside of outside of class um and we also found that around one in five pupils reported that they'd been um bullied within the past three months um and uh, in conversations now with with kind of school leaders since um there's there's been uh, a mention of kind of the role that social media might have played in that so during lockdown um discussions online around you know I'm going to punch you next time I see you and then suddenly they see each other and they've made that <laughs> sort of made this commitment and then uh, and 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 so kind of yeah there, there were issues that have surfaced in kind of discussions since then around around that kind of thing um and then also on the kind of support network side of things we found that a quarter of pupils um reported feeling lonely and this one's really interesting because uh that's a, a stark increase in in previous studies so studies not done by Adurio but done by um the Office of National Statistics found around 11% of pupils um in a survey done just before the pandemic reported that they felt lonely and that was now up to around a quarter in our survey so I think that's a really really interesting um development um, and then the, the 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 topic that um Anna has been um really heavily involved in is um what what pupils do when they feel sad or worried so we ask pupils who 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 they talk to when they're feeling kind of sad or worried um and we found that more pupils will talk to either their classmates or their parents than to um any anyone at school so teachers was the third um most likely group but classmates uh, much more likely to, to be approached um, when pupils are feeling sad or worried. And actually, I think uh, one in eight, so 15% of pupils said that they don't speak to anybody when they're in that position. Uh, finally, uh, as I said, the kind of impact on um, how happy pupils are at school. So we found that actually two thirds of pupils are happy to be studying at school, um, at, at the school that they're at, um, but actually one in 10 mentioned that they're not happy um but we also found a, a correlation between well-being scores and happiness at school so pupils happiness at school was a kind of strong indicator um of how likely they are how happy they are um uh, how likely they are to recommend their school to peers and their and well-being scores was a high indicator of how happy they would be at school um and um one where was one kind of interesting exception we found to that which was that pupils that are at an outstanding um, school by offset rating, um, despite having lower wellbeing scores, as I mentioned earlier, they actually um, were more likely to recommend their school to peers um, than um, schools, than pupils at some other schools. Uh, so that's a yeah. very detailed um, summary. Um, does that make sense, Aline? That's, that's really um, a lot of really fascinating information. And I think what it, what strikes me as well is um, it, when you're providing this survey to schools that actually a, a lot of the questions and things that you're asking about are things that's just much harder for a school to monitor you know people's sleep quality um whether or not they feel feel lonely um and those kinds of things unless you unless you ask you know it, it can be quite difficult to get a perception of of those things so i imagine that you know some schools will have been a little bit um surprised and 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 just you know disturbed by the, the by results they they might have seen and kind of changes um since since various lockdowns and things like that. What are your thoughts there, Anna? Was was there anything that really surprised you in, in what Iona just said? Not really, which is kind of the, I guess the kind of surprising thing is that I think it all just, it all kind of makes sense. Um, I think the, the idea that wellbeing can get worse or sleep can get worse as you get older and through the school, that's something that struck out me quite a lot because that is that makes in my in my mind as a student that makes complete and utter sense the fact that during exam years are the years where you know the stress is the highest you don't sleep as much it it all kind of correlates and makes that that it it's just true um at least in my experience that is very accurate and very true um and 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 I think I, I guess yeah, the, the the loneliness and the idea of the pandemic affecting that is 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 also something that makes that makes sense. Um, I don't think for everybody. I think I think there are going to be people who thrived off 
being at home and not being in school and, and work and like you know having to do school from home and kind of being with your parents because I guess if your if your parents are your support system and are the people that you talk to then that is a situation where actually mental health can improve which is something that kind of I guess my DQ kind of showed was was that was that kind of relationship where um I, I asked about if the people that students talk to changed well during the pandemic um and and whether that had kind of I guess a positive or negative impact and I and 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 actually surprisingly I not I don't think a huge amount actually actively changed because people can still contact their friends and people can still you know especially if people were in a position where their parents are their support system they are there and available um and that was that was the same for um the the, the kind of the, the loneliness I think that can shift depending on who you are and the position that you're in I guess also like if you're being bullied or something in school that is a situation where you are at home you're away from that and while I also fully agree that social media can be very harmful in those senses um in in the and the kind of bullying and the comparing and the you know young I guess kind of the yeah the the you you subconsciously can you can subconsciously compare yourself to others with when you're in that when you're on social media and in that kind of environment um but I think it does it does depend on who you are um but it also makes complete sense that it got worse yeah, I just wanted to piggyback on on what Anna said around that one of the most surprising things being the fact that it wasn't surprising. Um, I think the we've spoken to a number of um, a number of school leaders since um, we we did a kind of a webinar alongside um, Confederation of School Trusts um, to to sort of launch the report and and one of the things that yeah that came out was that the the results are not good, um, but they're not surprising. Um, and I think that that in itself is therefore kind of the shocking side of it. Um, yeah. But um, the but yeah, I think I think that the the shift in the loneliness, um, feelings of loneliness from from a previous study where we had it around eleven percent, and it obviously it was a different um, survey provider. It was mm-hmm. it was the Office of National Statistics. Um, so it's, there's going to be a bit of a bit of a difference based on that. But to see such a big increase from eleven percent to to a quarter um, is is something that can't be ignored I think um yeah and I think like you say there's something yeah there's a predictability about you know as you as you get older become more attuned to like the importance of exams and those sorts of things or you know you're you're getting closer towards adulthood and some of the stresses you know of of those sorts of things um but you know there is this sort of narrative as well of like this is a serious year or this is going to be harder and you're going to have to work more um and there there's something about the kind of how do you how do you balance like sort of healthy developmental kind of um stress and with something we all experience um, you know, perf- performing and 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 working up towards something and 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 feeling worried about it because it's important to you, which is all kind of natural and part of like growing up and being human. When does that become too much and people can't sleep and aren't you know on and 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 are feeling much more in distress about it? And I think yeah. it's it's really difficult because it's it's at different points for different people as well. I think you've nailed it. I think that um, yeah, the the there's an element of this of like um, that, and, and you said this right at the beginning about that balancing that that kind of when are we when are we dealing with an issue versus preparing someone for building kind of that resilience and and kind of knowing like okay we've got exams we're going to be stressed and and one of the things that I I have talked about. Um, in in the webinar that I mentioned with with the CST um, is like uh, to to use a, a slightly silly example we see um, we see a, a sh- big shift in well being between year six and year seven um, so I think that was the point where there was the biggest year by year drop 
Um, so one thing we could do, we could all agree is that, okay, going to secondary school is, is stressful, let's stop that. Um, mm. And obviously that's just not something that anyone is, we, we, that's not the solution. So what, what, what is the solution then is more around that kind of um, resilience building and, and, and allowing um, people to expect the stresses and, and, and to, and yeah, to, to, to kind of find ways of, of dealing with, with those stresses. Um, and you mentioned as well around kind of, yeah, the wider stuff around growing older. Um, and, and in the report, Daniel mentions a number of other studies that kind of show that um, well-being does decrease as, as, as people kind of enter into adolescence and, and so on. Um, there's biology at play here. There's also kind of societal factors like what are you going to do after school? Um, you might need to be supporting your family or, or like responsibility increases as you get older. Um, so actually there's something here in this around like the school. It, it's not that schools are the problem or the solution. It's that schools are a part of the puzzle. Yeah. And I guess as you, you mentioned kind of other, you know, other statistics and, and research, there's also a question of, you know, um, it, at the moment, uh, are we all more stressed um, as 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 people because of what's going on with the pandemic, um, other p- parts of the world, um, and 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 you know, a conversation I often have, um, particularly in, in secondary schools, is just how much more aware via things like social media young people are of of what is happening beyond beyond their immediate um, location and school. Um, and, and a lot of that can can produce quite a lot of anxiety and a feeling of uh, disempowerment around like, but what what can I do about climate change or, you know, all those kinds of, you know, like and, and, and that's very stressful in of itself as well. So you kind of wonder if um, if if not only is it is it about, yeah, you just you're just more likely to be stressed as you get older. But are we all a bit more um, anxious um, about, about things? Yeah, I, I think that I think that's very possible. And, and actually the the to 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 dive into the kind of support networks discussion um as well so as i mentioned it's kind of parents was the number one um choice for um for people who are feeling sad or worried then closely followed by classmates and then a bit of a drop before before reaching to teachers but actually in a pandemic or in a if 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 everyone's if if everyone's kind of default mode is stressed Take, is there capacity for supporting other people who are stressed and actually looking at kind of pupils in particular are we having a kind of um is there risk of a, a sort of vicious cycle at those kind of peak years where we know that stress is higher but actually if there are pupils going to their peers for support other other peers that are kind of giving that support they're going to become more stressed because they've got their kind of exams to worry about but also their friends that they're supporting and, and how much capacity have they got to give that support um, and I think it, it, the same goes for teachers and for parents at the moment is, is how how much if, if we're all fighting at some degree of a mental health challenge um, brought on by by the situation that we've been in now for nearly two years where is where does that capacity come from and I think it's a problem that, that we've seen kind of that I've had some conversations where the conclusion was schools aren't doing enough and, and I don't, I don't, I don't uh, imagine that there'll be many people that um it is that's kind of a yeah we to just to come here and say oh teachers should be doing more to to help people's well-being again it's it's sort of really complicated um, and I think that yeah there's no simple solution and and particularly as we've been talking about exam years you know the situation around how exams are going to be run has been an enormous source of stress for school Mm. leaders uh school teachers uh pupils and everyone involved um Mm. so you know like you say in that situation who who can step in and say it's going to be okay when like that hasn't really been very clear um you know from government from government downward um so yeah like you say there is there is something about um about where where can that support come from Anna, is there anything you'd like to reflect on in what we've just been saying I, I think everything's pretty much spot on. I think, I I I remember my A levels being c- crazy because we didn't quite, no one quite knew what was happening, and and I don't think that's that's no one's fault. It's not the school's fault. I don't think it's like particularly like it was a crazy time, 
Um, but I remember that being a major worry. I remember like talking to my teachers and being like, do we know what's going on? And they're like, we will tell you when we know, because they didn't know. And I think, I think that must have been that must have been difficult for everybody because I guess you know as, as teachers you want to provide like answers and that support for your students and that must have been like I, I can only imagine that that was that must have been hard but I also think it's exam years are always hard and the I think there's uh, look, looking back at kind of my my exams now that I'm kind of out of out of school I think it was very much a they always felt like the be-all end-all and they never were like looking back at GCSEs because they were the first exams that you'd done they you know they, they're, they're big they're, there's a lot of pressure and there's, there's pressure that you put on yourself that's pressure that comes from everywhere because they're exams um and then I guess the same goes for A levels. You know, the A levels are the they're the ones that get you into uni. That's terrifying. And and I there's there was yeah, they always they always felt like they were kind of the be all end all, and they just they just they just aren't like do as well as you can, but don't. I, I guess I I I now try to look at it as like do as best as you can and work hard, of course, work hard, but I guess don't sacrifice your own mental health for for the exams because I I, I don't feel like that, that I, it's, that's, it's, 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 that's difficult, um, especially when you feel like that is, like, that it's the most important thing. Yeah, and I think as we were saying around, around stress, you know, there's a, there's a helpful amount of, you know applying yourself because you want to do well and then there's a point at which you're so stressed that actually you're not going to be doing yourself any favors but again that's a very that's a very difficult line to to know and it and it will be very different for different people um i think what i'd be interested to talk a little bit about is um you know you mentioned that you used sort of ofsted uh, rating as a kind of kind of proxy i guess for sort of how academic almost a school a school is and and what their results are looking like and and that kind of thing um and that actually pupils at, at schools that are outstanding are are broadly less happy um what do we what do we think is going on on there do you think that is about academic kind of pressure um and and stress generated about people wanting to do well so um i think it's the topic that requires more investigation um so so just to recap on the the kind of detail of that so um yeah we, we found that pupils who were at um schools that were rated outstanding had um reported higher levels of stress um and um kind of overall lower well-being than at um schools rated either good or requires improvement um but then we saw this this kind of bucking the trend um on kind of how happy they were at school so where across the board pupils who were um reporting lower well-being were also reporting um less happiness at school uh, and they were less likely to recommend their school to to their um to other pupils um but actually that wasn't the case at offset and at, at, based on different offset ratings and it's worth noting that the differences aren't enormous um, so we saw some groups where we we could see kind of really big differences between the groups. So with looking at gender, we could see that um, pupils with a gender identity other than male or female had far lower well-being and were far less happy at school and, and so on. Whereas with offset, the differences are smaller. Um, but with the, with a data set this size, that, that, that it's not to be overlooked. So um, we saw kind of comparing outstanding to requires improvement. Um, sixty-two percent of pupils that requires improvement school um, were happy, um, compared to sixty-six at outstanding, and fifty-five percent of pupils that requires improvement school would recommend uh, their school to others, compared to 65 percent of outstanding. So there are some differences, um, but uh, yeah, we, the answer for as to why is um, we don't know. Um, and and Daniel outlines in the report a number of different factors that are at play here, partly um schools that are rated outstanding are inspected less frequently so it might be that um a school that 
uh, was outstanding previously, might not might not be this time. Um, also references things like yeah, pressure from either the school or from the parents um, to 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 do well. So it could be kind of yeah, just a matter of um, the the changing changing times and 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 and, the, and using yeah, as you say, it is a proxy. So we've we've used outstanding as a prox. Uh, we've used a uh, offset rating as a proxy for for something yeah. else and so there's there is there is kind of it, it it's an in, it's an imperfect um comparison um, and something that i think is is it's worth putting on people's radar um to to kind of say we we found this difference um are we putting too much pressure on or are we kind of is there something that's that's actually kind of a link between these two or, or is it a case of um yeah 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 and as you and as you say you're kind of breaking out that question about how how well people feel um yeah. how how sort of happy they are to be where they are and would encourage others to be there and that there can be some kind of dissonance there that you could say yeah i would recommend people come to this school but i'm not sleeping well yeah exactly yeah and yeah. And, and it might be that um yeah but they, they consider that to be an appropriate trade-off so yeah. I'm I I want to go to a school where um it's got that kind of that label of being yeah. outstanding it's I've got the it's got a good kind of route to university or like and so on and so forth it that it might be a, a trade-off that, that pupils and parents are willing to make and, and sort of um yeah yeah and I think that I mean obviously you you've done the the research for and the schools have access to their own data on these yeah. of these things their own their own contexts and an understanding of what they want their school kind of values to be and also this is a start point to look at yeah. what interventions or activities people might might do to change those in in particular ways but i think it's really it's really useful to see the kind of complexity here as well it isn't just a kind of um you know tick a smiley face if you're happy at school kind of thing like there are different Absolutely. aspects to it um yeah and I, and I think one thing here what, that you just mentioned around like yeah this is the start point I think uh this survey as along with all of our other surveys it's kind of the point is to find out the lay of the land so how are we doing how how is the country doing and what's the difference between the two of those things and, and then from there you can go and say okay well we we were we were doing worse than the national average in this area. Let's go and find out why that is, and let's go and think about what our solutions are, rather than kind of we've done the survey, we've done pupil wellbeing yeah. tick. <laughs> that it's yeah, it's very much a, a starting point. Great stuff. And um, just going to ask you um, this question now because it seems to follow on quite well. Is what are there any kind of plans to do further research from Edurio kind of in this in this area uh yeah so there's there's actually um so we've we've talked at, at length about kind of um people well-being um today and as I mentioned we have a, a this is this is one part of our wider people learning experience and well-being survey so there is a a, a bigger piece um a, a larger data set that we've we've not yet shared data on based on kind of yeah different different factors that might influence happiness at school um or um things that might kind of relate to different levels of well um, higher or lower well-being um so we have yeah as I say we have a wider a wider pupil um pupil study um, and the other side of things which you've also kind of touched upon is um around the other um the other people so we have a, a we have a parental engagement um survey which looks at kind of um, how how parents are engaging with the school and how there's kind of the between the school and the parents working as kind of um, partners in in learning and and kind of yeah that, that that collaboration and then on the kind of staff side looking at staff well-being as well because as as mentioned kind of this is this is a hard time for everybody um and and yeah so we, we want to understand kind of yeah how staff are doing and and their well-being and, and so on and so forth so we have we have a staff well-being um data set um that we will be kind of sharing more information on later this year we, we've got some um reports that we've already written from a couple of years ago but relating to staff well-being but we'll be doing a refresh of that um and, and more information on that coming this year as well 
great great stuff and and Anna coming back to to you and your your EPQ really in a bit more detail um I'm kind of I'm curious to know more about what you think should happen really just to support to support students in general with their mental health but also those people who find themselves in that first responder role yeah I yeah I, I think the first responder role has always kind of existed and I think it's I think students talking to students or their friends or their peers it makes sense because at the I think mental health especially it's it's that's a difficult topic um and and I guess if if I guess talking to friends because they're your friends it's it's I guess it's easier than than having those kind of conversations with with other people um I, th I think because I guess also because because if you think about it they're the people that you spend most of your time with like within school um yeah I, I guess there are there's a couple of issues around sort of um confidentiality as well because if, if you tell a teacher you know they may, may well have to tell someone else and yeah. that's not a decision that they make or don't make that's just the reality of the situation yeah. whereas you feel you might have a more kind of confidential space if you're talking to a friend but equally that's a burden to then place on that person if they are exactly. concerned about you um and from a you know if if schools say wanted to support or equip more people to talk to their friends um you know, what are your thoughts there because you know um I remember when I was I was at school actually being a kind of peer mentor and whatever and we got some training and badges but no one ever came and talked to us <laughs> yeah. probably because I, 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 we were too keen <laughs> <laughs> I I think the label has something to do with it I think if you're talking to your friends they're your friends the second you put a name onto that they become it becomes something different like talking to like a counselor or or even like kind of as you said like like a kind of group of people who are kind of trained within this I think that becomes difficult because that is there is a label attached to that whereas if you talk to your friends you talk to your friends and they're your friends and that's that's it there's there's no kind of added like on there's nothing added on to that um, I guess it's also um, you're you're much more free to choose who you talk to because you've exactly. already decided who your friends are and who you trust and it isn't yeah. somebody saying well I trust this person who you may never have met before um, yeah and I and I think I think what I think for me one of the things I think would be really 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 useful is just basic mental health training for everyone but that becomes a some form of compulsory thing that everyone has to go through because it, it is it would create a space where the people who are who are first responders who have who, who are gonna who are told these things they have a way to protect themselves in terms of understanding how to kind of go about those conversations go about processing that information um i I, I know that I, I, there's always a fear of saying something wrong, that that you you have these conversations and your friends tell you these things and then you have to try and say something or, or tr you try and help and you never quite know whether what you're saying is the right thing to say or whether the way that you're going about it is the right way of going about it. And and I think that that would be useful to to have that basic training to understand how to start those conversations how to make those conversations a space that is kind of safe for both sides um and i also think it, it would it would help set boundaries i i think that there, there, there can be a there can be a situation where because because friends come to you and you know what they've been through you don't then go to them or you then don't know at what point in time you can go I'm having a really bad day I really can't deal with this right now sorry or or how to even start that 
kind of that even like start kind of I guess kind of start that conversation about like you know like I love you but I just can't do I can't do this today um so I think I think having some kind of training is would be really good just on mm. all of those levels it would just give an underlying support to everyone and I think so people young people dealing with mental health I think understanding that training may also just help them kind of process their own things mm. or, or whatever the stress or, or whatever it ends up being and as you say it, the relationship between friends is different to professional or teacher and pupil yep. because you know it's that person's role to be there for the pupil you know as and when they need it but when you're friends as you said sometimes you can help somebody else and other times you need help and and actually you know that that, that everybody understanding how to to support their friends better is 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 beneficial um because yeah. it, it's a lot of responsibility to put on someone if they feel like they always have to be there for their friends but there's no one that they can talk to exactly leading on from that something else i was thinking about was support for the, for those first responders so that does not have to be counseling that just has to be a debrief somebody mm. that they can debrief to um and and that's i that that becomes difficult in terms of safeguarding um because it would i, I think it would it would I, I guess for me, it would have to be a space where no names have to be named. You can just talk mm -hmm. about whatever it is that has been going on um, in any capacity that you feel comfortable with. Um, because I think also like without the fear of losing the friendship that you've built with that person and without the need for like, I guess the kind of counselling aspect I don't even think it needs to be a situation where someone then goes well maybe you can do this and that I think it just needs to be a situation where you can talk mm. um because then you're not it's it's not just on it's not just on you it's on you and then somebody else somebody else like knows and that can be difficult because you know people don't want things to be shared and there are you know I guess you know promises made and, and and but I think if it's if it is in any way if it can be in any way anonymous then that would be I think that'd be great because it's just it's just a, it's just someone to talk to mm. kind of talk at about it um and for some people that's parents like that's and that's that's okay but I think I think having a having somebody within the school system that could actually kind of provide that would be, would be helpful. I think what you've done there is, 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 is really sensitively articulate some of the, um, you know, stress and, and difficulty it is being, um, being a sort of friendly, helpful, supportive um, person. And, 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 you know, as we've, as we've been saying, often, oftentimes the, the focus is on the, you know, rightly the person in crisis and distress, and it's not looking at actually you've got this this these first responders who who are doing um, great stuff. How can you kind of support and and um, boost them to do more? Because actually, again, it is part of this patchwork of how how pupils at your school um you know stay stay mentally healthy stay happy um don't feel lonely um and, and all of those kinds of things so i think it's you know it's it's definitely something um that's that's you know sh should be should be being considered by school leaders and 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 really i would i would imagine and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this a topic to kind of consult um pupils on and and get a sense of like what is the what is the picture here and and what more do you, um your kind of first responders feel like you that they need um yeah definitely so yeah anna as i said you've um it's, it's been really interesting um to, to to hear from your perspective 
do you what do you wish that that more kind of adults working with young people in in schools understood about kind of what it's like to be um a young person at school today i think this is most kind of general like i think i think i think it's a i think adult i, I guess the kind of major thing that the problem exists that, and, and and mental health does exist and, and you know teachers and, and schools are putting things you know putting great things in place to help that and they are they're great um um but i also think like for parents and and anybody really that, that there is a problem and that this is a thing that does exist and i also think that the that these these conversations between students happen that this is an at least in my experience a normal thing and obviously seem kind of wider. It's, it's a this is a normal thing to happen and that these are these conversations are happening and happening quite a lot. Um I also think I think for I think for, for parents or at least like I've I've I have had conversations where it's that the issue the issue should be taken seriously, but also don't be scared about it. I think there is a, you know, mental health is a better it can be a scary thing. And I actually think that 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 the way that adults kind of i guess if, if you tell somebody and the way that they react to it is important and key in you then wanting to continue that conversation or not wanting to continue that conversation and and i think that it is it's a serious issue but it's and while it can be scary it is not something to be scared of because if that person is talking to you that is that's a, it's a bit it's a, that's scary for them it's a it's a that's a step that they're taking to kind of have that conversation and that's and that's really good um I also think that um kind of the the wider world is also being taken into consideration so you know this kind of links up with social media things like it's social media does exist we are living in a time where we can access anything about anywhere within seconds we know about the world as young people and the stress that comes with that I guess should also kind of be taken into account that we that it may not always just be mental health stuff it might just be stress and it might not particularly be stress about a certain thing. It might just be global stress. The pandemic especially you know, is evidence that I think there is a low level of stress that everybody has at the moment that is just there because we're living through a pandemic that can't really be taken away, but anything else comes on top of that. And I think that that, I guess that is understood by everybody that, that sometimes there are things that aren't that aren't mental health related, but that that can kind of contribute to to feeling not great or feeling worse than you did two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that mainly just being there, understanding it, not being scared of it. Thank you. That's yeah. As I say, it's really really helpful context. Um, uh, for folk to to understand and listen and think on and you know it's been fascinating to talk through through the research but also to get to get your insights as as well I'm so grateful to you both for taking the time to talk to us today and thank you very much for listening key voices is produced by the key giving education leaders the knowledge to act members of the key for school leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com and please Tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.